It's your girl, Fancy Patrice, and you are listening to Crown. This is the place to wear your crown. Come on, y'all, let's turn up the sound. Uh, if it's side and put it on back, yeah, that's right, put it on track. This is the crown podcast. Royalty family, we are back. This is episode five, and I am just so excited. So Crowned is a place where I inspire to help kings and queens keep their crowns aligned, even when life has gotten hard. I strive to be a voice or an outlet for millennials who have feel lost or unable to express their emotions or feel like they aren't doing enough right now in life. And I just want everyone to know, like, wherever you are, whatever you may be dealing with or have dealt with, it's okay to be in that exact position at that exact moment. Today, I have a special guest, my my line sister, my beautiful friend, Mandy. Hey. So first, thank you so much for doing my podcast. Um, I start the show with Fancy Stops. <laughs> this week, we've had a couple of things happen. Um, my notes. Well, first, let's start with the election. Virginia showed out. We did what we needed to do. <laughs> well, well, they tried. I just want to commend like the celebrities. First of all, Oprah was canvassing. Right. <laughs> like Why Oprah knocked on my door. I would have peed on myself. <laughs> Oprah was canvassing, knocking on doors. Girl, come on in. What you what would you like? <laughs> I mean, that's your opportunity. I don't know what I would have did. And then Will Ferrell and Barack Obama, of course, came in and he had his um, rally. And it was a heckler that was still there. He was like, oh, I'm not president no more. Uh, go ahead. Like, give him a chance. Give him a chance. He said, I don't even know why y'all come when you support the other candidate. Oh, come on, president. <laughs> Blue donuts and do. <laughs> Get them together. I mean, I just, I think they did a good job. Even Beyonce was um, out there for Beto in Texas. I don't really know all the candidates because I only was concerned about Virginia and who I had to vote for. I shouldn't say I was only concerned because I, I, I care about the climate in the world because I'm a full adult out here. And that's important for me to know what's going on in the world. And a lot of people were running. There's some history being made all over the place. Yeah, it really was. This was a pivotal election. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I should have had some notes on <laughs> But there was history made. Her story. Her story. I know that there was, uh, well, Stacey Abrams is still fighting in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um, the mayor of Tallahassee, Andrew Gilliam, is still fighting for governor in Florida. And I read something that no matter what, even though he conceded, um, they still could have to do a recount just because the votes were so close. I think they're like 50 or 70,000 votes apart. But didn't they find... Girl, uh, it's a mess. So they found some uh, votes that weren't... Ballots in the um, machines. Right. Machines been unplugged and stuff like that. It's a mess. People that voted, um, what is it? Absentee. They got their joint sent back to them. Like provisional ballots. It's prepaid. It's pre labeled. How is it not a ballot address? Yeah, I'm just gonna send my little vote back. Um, some lady was on Pyramids of Diamonds and was like, um, well, they weren't on Pyramids of Diamonds. They right. reposted it. <laughs> First of all. Let me clarify. And she was like, so an official just, they let them take the ballots in their own personal car by themselves. Like, and they just like met somebody. You don't know what they transpired between leaving that precinct and trying to come back to the, wherever they got to take it to. Throwing them out the window, put them in the trash. Like, it's a mess. I don't know. Stacey still hasn't conceded and I don't blame her. Go ahead, girl. She said, I had to work too hard. All the people been down here canvassing. Ain't no way. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you, girl. And running is not cheap. Yeah. I mean, even if you, because 
you gotta think how many people may have voted just cause, based off of who names they heard. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I work in advertising, so all the commercials and all the digital and then just stuff, having people sitting outside posting um, little things in the yard, all that money, you can't just give up. Like, yeah. You know they're going to be shady. Everything yeah. about politics right now. Oh, my God. Shady. 45. <laughs> um. I just like don't they have to rent like their where like where they're gonna be for their mm, like for the volunteers yeah. come and like people put their time into it. Uh, I don't a politician who was running in Iowa. He was like I gave it everything I had until my mom told me, reminded me I'm single. I lived out an RV for the last six months and I don't have a job because <laughs> he quit his job to be to run. Mm-hmm. So people gotta go back and live their lives. I wonder if Gulliam does he go back to be a mayor of Tallahassee? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works either. But I hope so. We stand with you. Look, if we were there, I don't know. We would be out canvassing, and I still share it on my page and stuff because people didn't know what's going on in the world. Okay, so other than politics, I don't, we could talk about that all day. Right. Um, the hate that you give came out. Have you seen it? No. Have you heard about it? Yeah. What you know about it? That's more about the, the uh, it's like police brutality and all that. It was really good. So, I think it really runs into, like, politics right now, the climate of the world. So, I got, like, a little snippet. And it says, like, the hate that you give tells a story of a 16-year-old girl named Star. So, she was really relatable in this story. Um, she came from... I was, they were lower class, not middle class, but um, a very loving family. That's what I saw first. You know, she talked about the relationship of like her parents. And I thought that was really good that they shown that love exists in the household of these black families because a lot of people don't associate that with black people. And um, she lived a normal life. They put her, instead of staying in, like, the low-income part of town for school, they put her in another prestigious school where she can get a good education. And um, she was very smart. And so they they idolized education. You know, they pushed that in the movie. I like that, too. So um, it was called Garden Heights. I'm reading this little part. And they went out for a party. She wasn't even supposed to be there. Now, we done been to some spots and <laughs> that we know we ain't supposed to be. So this, and that's why I say it was so relatable because this could have happened to anybody. Right. She seen this fine boy. They they grew up together. He was fine too. Was he? he was young though. <laughs> he was fine, girl. If I was sixteen, I would have fell for him too. <laughs> and all the lies he told me. <laughs> um, they hugged in the party like, and it was so cute because he like saw her from across the room. He's like, "Oh my god, you grown up!" And she was not like one of the girls, like hair done all that stuff. She was cute. She had a braids on. She looked her age, uh-huh. which is not how they do now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he left. They started fighting in the fighting in the party, child. I want to say this part too. So her home girl was there. I don't know if it was her sister or what, her stepsister, and she was ready to fight. And she said, she said no. So she was like standing against peer pressure. It just had like a lot of underlining themes in there. Mm. And they left the party because they were shooting. He was trying to keep her safe. And he got stopped by the police car. And he t- pulled out a brush. And they thought it was a gun. And he shot and killed him. And when he came up to Star, she was like, oh, my God, you need to help him. And she was like, I can't do anything. He put her in handcuffs. And started to watch her friend bleed out to death. Can you imagine at 16, like, seeing that? That's traumatic. But it's also, unfortunately, it's normal. Yes. It's not normal, but it happens. Yes. It don't make it right, but that's not like a gasp. I can't believe this. Like, that's like, this true events several times. Yeah. So people have dealt with that and lived it. Absolutely. And then, so, like, the theater was mixed. So, you know, I had different races around me. I mean, no, it's not them. It's not a race together. That's what I'm I'm understanding that. You right. know, it's not all one race. It's just some people's ideology. Like, 
I don't know, racism is taught. And just the fact that they were there, I commend them because they was trying to see the point of view of the writer. Because this was a book and then it turned into a movie. So, um, like, the whole movie, she, like, came against... You know, she was in a predominantly white school. She, um, like, saw the different racism that was going on. And she just really, like, worked through those different emotions. Her mom tried to protect her from, you know, not being exposed too young and not want people to know who she was because she still wanted her to have, like, a a regular teenage life and not be put in that. But this was her reality, you know, and she just kind of worked through all those different emotions. And it just made me think, like, as a teenager, my life was already a mess. <laughs> as a teenager, girl, I had so many emotions, like, trying to figure out, like, just friends, peer pressure, like, hormones. Like, oh, my God. Did you try to ever try to fit in with the wrong crowd. Absolutely. Mama couldn't stand it either. She be trying to break us up and I was like, they are my friend. <laughs> Did I ever tell you I scared straight? Mama Did you? Scared straight. <laughs> that plum fool, okay? Went, went straight to the job. Tell us about this. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> you gotta finish, finish this. What was it like? Were they yelling in your face like that? Yes. That you go through the whole, like, you go in, it's like processing they don't make you do like the squat and cough but they feel up under you and at what 14 15 years old having guards feel like up under your breasts and all between your legs like they search you the same way they would search any other inmate um walking through the jail like, it was a little traumatizing like it's on tv it looks like oh that must look fake because you know they can't touch you but all of us the whole group of us and we was all in there for different things so I didn't want to tell you. I don't want to tell you what I did. I was just, I was with the wrong crowd, so. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. No judgments. Like, they, and this was in Newport News. So mm. This ain't like, like they had males and females mixed. And you, you thought like, oh, it's not that bad. So you actually see like people say things. And it's like, oh, this is not scripted. Because there weren't no cameras in Newport News. They were saying what they really was thinking. Yes. I'm going to say, are you on TV? Because I'm about to go find your episode. Yeah, Newport News won't, 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 won't that great. Yeah. High school was rough. High school was rough. It was rough, right? This was, was, a little, was a little struggle. Yes, absolutely. I would say, like, from my eighth grade year until maybe the end of my freshman year, was a really hard time for me. By sophomore year, I got it together. Took me to my junior year. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. When I losing that phone and them car keys. Girl. I couldn't go to homecoming, ring dance, all the stuff I wanted. To, nope. Couldn't go. I was sitting at home looking stupid. I'm glad social media won't pop in back then. I don't know what we did. We had MySpace, and we was too worried about falling letters and what song we was going to put on our page. <laughs> right. It won't, and it won't know... Live camera recording. Nothing. That, nothing. We had the Nikon phones. Was it Nikon? With the, the blue screen. Yeah. <laughs> with the light up antenna. That was the girl. You couldn't tell me that. So you won't go on live. You won't update them like you was out. You was out enjoying yourself. I'm glad because I would have been sitting there like, look at them. <laughs> I'd have been mad. I'm, I'm so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be good. This already hurt my heart. I still ain't got no classroom. <laughs> I pawn mine. You tell that little boy you was messing with about the class ring. What? <laughs> yeah, I I just cannot imagine like all of that alone. I didn't go to scare straight, but oh my god, <laughs> I mean all of that alone, and then to watch somebody die that it was my friend, and the girl liked him. He said they was kissing. Yes, they was kissing in the um. The movie, so yeah, I don't know what I would have did because I was in love. Every little boy that came in my life, I love him. <laughs> my first love, for real, for real. We still talk to this day. I don't love him now, but right. he my homie. Okay, so that was. Um, I would highly suggest going to see it. 
it was a great movie. It's definitely a, a talking point to talk about, you know, go with some of your coworkers. Yes, I highly suggest it. Um, nobody's fool. So what I did, you know, Tuesday was election day. I went to both movies for the price of one. <laughs> and um, I saw nobody's fool and I'm glad I went for the price of one because it was awful. Like, okay, I'm tired of seeing Tiffany play that one part. Like, that ghetto ratchet girl, you know. And then she does that when she goes on shows and stuff. And I'm like, is that who she really is? You know, but I feel like she has more to her than that. So, you don't know somebody always plays that <laughs> role? Like, do you think it's... It's a show. And this Hollywood, like, oh, she's going to be the ghetto girl. Or do you think she's just, is not a multidimensional actress? That's a good you, question. Would you ever see her playing like a um a serious role? Yeah, like what's the um hidden figures? Would you ever see her being like a historical figure or playing anything else? Or has she just branded herself as the the ghetto actress? Okay, so the movie she did before this with Kevin Hart. Nice school. It was really good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was very good. Um, and she had some serious parts in it. And then she went to being funny, you know, like, but she wasn't that ratchet. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You know, I have ratchet moments. I like doing her things. Right. <laughs> but that's not who I am. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like they are paying her to be that person. And she getting a coin, so... I mean, I support it. I'm going to go to the next movie that she got. I want her to win, but it just wasn't good. Like, was did Tyler Perry write this movie? Yes. Yes, he did. This was his worst movie yet. Okay. So, this is definitely a Tyler Perry movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hence why maybe Madea is, is coming to an end. Like, all his stuff is like that. Bad acting. <laughs> they weren't bad actors because they know how to act. Right. Wolfie and Anna was in it, right? Yeah. But if it was his typical movie, predictable, just not a good storyline, nah. Save your coin. <laughs> Save your coin. And then Whoopi, like you have Whoopi Goldberg. She could have did so much more. She literally had like five lines. And she was high the whole time. I expect more from her. (laughs) But she was cute. She was cute. I'm here for her. She was cute. I don't know. It was definitely a Tyler Perry movie. Okay, so I want people to get a sense of your personality. So just to start off, I want you to identify a few of your pet peeves. There's so many. Can we narrow down? Is it in life? Is it dating? Is it friends? Girl, it talk about... Okay, give me three. Give me your top three. Oh, so many. I, okay, I like, let's well, do... My food touch, that's a pet peeve. Okay, that's one. I don't like being touched. Really? Unless I let you know. Don't, don't touch me. I'm such a hugger. See? <laughs> Okay. Um, okay. Well, let me think of mine. I'm gonna do top three. I hate W Y D ticks. All day. All day, every day. Like it's Wednesday. I'm at work. W Y D. Oh, what you doing later? Or oh, what you doing tonight? Like, okay, when it's a work night. <laughs> You don't go home. Like, literally, I I work all day, so I ain't got no time. And if you want to do something next week, let me know so I can plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weekend a little different. What you doing today? We can hang out. Right. Cool. Flexible. I'm real flexible. But on a Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, you ask me what I'm doing tonight, I'm about to go home and get in the bed. <laughs> Watch a show, read a book, whatever I got going on. That's my puppy without me. You're damn right. <laughs> yes. I'm about to take a shower without me. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is okay. This before we go there, I hate the GM. 
like the good morning when they just type GM, like you, it takes two seconds, seconds. to type good morning. And if I won't work two seconds, okay, the, you could have kept that. Okay, I don't, I don't have to reply for that. My next one's really silly. Like I don't like the way bags sound. Bag? <laughs> I'm weird. <laughs> I don't like the way plastic bags sound. They hurt my ears. Like you know, people like screech on the. Uh-huh chalkboard that's what the bag sound like in my ear it's so annoying like that's why i like Lidl and aldi and all that because they don't give you bags <laughs> that's true too but you gotta put that 25 cent in there for that cart <laughs> people be coming out like you want that um you want this cart yes ma'am yes sir thank you so much they give it to me and I go back and get their quarter. <laughs> I sure do. Pet peeve of mine. So everybody love to say like social media is not everything. Okay, but we live in a time where social media is everything. <laughs> and I don't like people that only comment in my DM. And they won't say what they saying like, oh, that's cute. Or go ahead in a comment. That sneaky stuff, I don't like that. Why can't you just put in a comment? Unless it's something you don't want to share, but telling me that's cute or something like that, don't text me and don't put it in my DM. Put it in the comment section. Do you feel like somebody might look at it and be like, oh, I thought I thought you didn't like Brittany, but your show was on her page. Exactly. Exactly. Stuff. Don't be, uh-uh-uh. If your girlfriend follow me, put it out there. Shorty, ladies too, they do it too, because that's, why you doing that? Like, what's the point of that? I put everything kind of there. I want you to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I hate, like, don't try to act like social media don't matter because it does. We definitely live in a time where it does. Yeah, everything. Yes. Even, like, shows and we just talk about politicians. They even use it. Right. Like, it's a platform. It's a job requirement at this point. <laughs> got, I mean, I don't know what feels real, but most of jobs I'm applying for social media experience but check out that exactly i use it every day all day day. but i mean it does kind of get on my nerves too like if i meet a guy and they be like do you got an instagram why send me a picture that you ain't got on instagram no send me a picture that's not on instagram so that does bother me too but yeah i just can't stand it no let your let your girl see what you're telling me or they screenshot it and you send it to me in a text message and you say something, you like something, why can't you just put it in the comment? Do you think that's people who don't want people to know that they're on social media? Like, you just up there looking. But we know you there. Because I'm, I'm a type of person, like, I go to other posts, and if you like it, I see your name because I follow you. You swipe over on that page. <laughs> yes. like, you- that's what it's there for. <laughs> but I think it's creepy that you're screenshotting my picture. Are you saving it? I mean, that I know. I know people do it, but that I know that you screenshot it. Right. That's weird. Because my phone, you know, they separated, like, screenshot and photo. Mm-hmm. I got, like, 500 screenshots. <laughs> I screenshot. But you comment. So like- but I comment. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> I'm still waiting on your pet peeve. Okay. Um, so, you know how everybody has a thing on social media like there's a thing in most people's social media I don't like when people assume that your thing is all that you do like if I don't snap when I'm at work yeah my job is boring but if I snap when we're having a party or I snap when I'm out don't sit there oh you always partying no I'm not that's just what you see hello I, I can't stand it. oh you always in the oh I got four can I do four go ahead <laughs> You always going somewhere and don't tell nobody, don't invite nobody. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Goodbye. Like, okay. The thing is, if you you know that I go somewhere, so if there's somewhere you want to go, say it. Like, yo, you trying to go to, I don't know, Jamaica? Yes, let's go. Let's plan it. But I don't, if I sat back and I waited for people to be ready to go. Yep. I never go nowhere. Yep. And people always, you always going somewhere doing something. Actually, I'm not. I just don't snap or 
Instagram or whatever when I'm sitting in the house because. I mean, what are you supposed to do? When people say that, I'm like, what are you supposed to do? We young, we single, we ain't got no kids. Like, what are we supposed to be sitting at home twiddling our fingers, well, waiting on a husband to come? Apparently, at, <laughs> at our ages, not having kids is supposed to not be an accomplishment. It's I saw that. Be, I know. Right? It's supposed to be, um, what is it? Well, somebody said it was like, you regret taking that plan B pill yet? No. Not at all. <laughs> you regret not taking the plan B <laughs> I can't say okay so I agree with the the ones who always feel like they you never invite them but the thing is they never invite us like the one well let me speak for myself the ones who always ask me you don't tell me I never get an invite from them what they got going on so yeah I'm gonna go I have one good one good girlfriend that we go everywhere together and last time she was like I feel jealous you didn't tell me about it and I kind of felt bad because she always invites me places you know what I'm saying and this is my birthday trip oh, I'm sorry this was my birthday trip so it was just like my best friends went on it and it wasn't to single her out but I kind of thought about it like I would have felt some type of way too because we go everywhere together I was like, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. So I got to be more cautious about that. So I get that part. And, girl, I go. I wish somebody would tell me to sit down. My good guy friend told me, you ain't never going to find a man. You keep going out like that. And I'm not about to sit around and wait for him. And who findeth a wife. <laughs> he findeth me. Absolutely not. But if I'm sitting in the house, I'm going to meet the same people. If I'm going, that's the thing. A lot of people... The area that we live in, things are easily routine. Yeah. You can go to the same bar on Friday, and you, you're going to see the same people. Yeah. one or two that's in, out of town. Yeah. You, you can't meet somebody new if you're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to go somewhere different because the one thing I learned about traveling is <laughs> the men are so much better. Like, what we, our options here, the cream of the crop is the cream of the crop here. Yeah. Like, I went to... New Orleans? I was meeting. Girl. I had a New Orleans booth. Mm. (laughs) Come back. Girl, I know. I went there. We had a good time. They treat you so good. They do. And it's like, oh, there's more to life. I'll give you that. And then, too, I can't stand when people like, you always, like, if I decide to go to the club, I am grown. If I want to go to the club, I could go to the club. I also like to do cultural things. Mm-hmm. Like, over the summer, I think I went to nine different states. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, and if I, just, if I decide as a grown woman to go to the bar or go to the club, I, I have been around some people like, oh, you know, I don't go out. Okay, that's good for you. That's your choice. Like, I do other stuff, too. Like, the exotic paint night or... Um, trapping, trapping yoga. Like I'm cultured. Mm-hmm. I can do other things, but if I choose, I don't even drink like that. But if I choose to go to the bar to socialize, that doesn't mean I'm in there getting drunk. Right. I'm just in there having a good time. And then I also like to keep my foot up and watch Netflix. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know, I feel like people. I don't know. If people are so used to it. They just expect you to have this one dimension. Like. You you can be corporate, and then you can be fun, and then you can go and you can learn something. You can travel like I don't. I got layers, like a yeah. pot pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I feel like people just expect you. He maybe they are maybe they are one dimensional. Absolutely. You, you to be. be like, mm-hmm. Oh, you always on this? No, this no, I'm not. You don't shine, baby, shine. <laughs> So I'm glad we're talking about relationships and friendships because I actually did a poll on Instagram about friendship. And I asked people, do they call their friend? We kind of talked about this on the live. But they had to put in their thoughts about things that they can do better as a friend. So I'm going to just read every single one of them and then we can just talk about it. Okay, so touching base and checking in. Um, some said putting some more effort and commitment into friendships that you would expect. If you are someone I have to interact with often, I suck at keeping in contact. Going out of my way and actually hitting people up first and literally getting caught up in life. Like, that's so real. And then holding people accountable for their actions and choices. Hello? Mm-hmm. 
um, spreading love with each other. So that's it. I think spreading love is really good. I think you should do that in all relationships. I think that's genuine. Um, I have learned to do that, whether I like you or not. That's what I call growth. Um, Because my love can be just keeping kind, like being kind and walking away, (laughs) wishing you well, you know, not wishing any harm. But I feel like I was really immature with that. Like we was friends, we fell out. I just be like, I don't want nothing to do with them. Sometimes people push you there, though. Like, depending on why you fell out, that determines how easy or difficult it is to be like, I don't want nothing to do with you. Yeah. We're supposed to be friends, and you try not to shade nobody. We're supposed to be friends, and you say or you do something that you know would hurt me. Like, there's, there's no doubt about it. You know that you were wrong because you either lied or you tried to cover it up or you tried to make excuses. You, you can't you can't expect me to come back from that. Yeah. Not right away anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the process of mending a friendship. Hmm. Yeah. It's uh it's awkward. Cuz it's like we we're, we got a decade in and then we grew apart. But you don't know how to like I always say I know how to eat a fish and spit out the bone. We can be different. We can disagree on certain things, but we can still be friends. But when you put me down for my beliefs or, um, I, I don't even say, I won't even say I need support because I can go, I have other friends. Like, I have friends that I can turn up with and I have friends that I can pray with and I have friends that I can talk corporate, you know, use different people for different things. Everybody serves a purpose. Um, but if it's just, there's a certain level of pain that I can't forgive. Well, I can forget, but moving past and trying to mend it, like, no, you've already shown me what you can do. Please me, why would I let someone back in my life who's proven that you'll say or you'll do anything? I agree. I actually had a, a situation just like that, and it, it cut me really deep. Like, it wasn't recently. This was years ago. And... You know, this person, we are connected, but when I say I was so bitter towards the relationship and I felt like it did more harm, like I was just so caught up on like, mm, every time I saw it, it gave me like a a bad taste in my mouth. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like caught up on the bad things. And I feel like I just got to peace with it maybe two years ago. And I was like, you know, (laughs) why do I care? I don't want to be this person's friend. But, you know, I wish them well, and I have to see them in life, but I don't wish any harm to them. I wish them love and light. (laughs) And I just feel like I matured. I grew the hell up. But I I know we're not going to be friends. And I I feel like I'm in a good space with that. Even though they want to be friends, I don't want to be your friend. You know, I think this was my first adult relationship I had to grieve. Like, you know, we talk about grief and death, but you actually can grieve friendships and nobody has to actually physically die. You know, I just had to release that because it was just such a toxic relationship. And I I asked her to forgive me for things that I said and did that I couldn't take back. And I just really was just acting out an emotion and I forgave myself and I moved on, you know, and I think that was when there was true peace with that situation. So you did say something about support. So I keep saying like, I don't think I said in my last podcast about how you get caught up about the haters and stuff like that. But if you are my friend, I want your support. I support you in everything. And I feel like when you don't have that support from those friends who you call on and, you know, who you would be there for, then that's when it's time to let that friendship go. Because if you don't have, whether it's a new venture, whether it's a death in your family, like whatever it is, if you cannot support me in whatever space I'm in in life, you're not my friend. I want the support. I feel like that is an expectation. At first, I used to just ignore it, but I want the support. Let's see. I think in my example, I had one specific thing in mind, and it was faith-based. Mm-hmm. And the 
woke, so. <laughs> she did an air quotes, y'all. They're woke. Oh, so that was, like, yeah, support me. Like, you, you know, you starting a business, yes, yeah, support. Um, even if you're dealing with somebody I don't think you should deal with, I'm going to, hey. Exactly. Right, I'm going to support you, but for something that's such a uh, critical part of my life, like, I'm, I'm saying, like, I don't need your support. I don't need you like, oh, well, I'm going to pray for you if I know you're not. If you yeah. don't believe in it, I don't need you that way. But don't put me down for believing. Like, if I'm like, oh, you know what, I'm going through this. Like, okay, so my dog died. And I was like, you know, I'm just praying my way through. Well, that ain't going to help, first of all. Don't put me down. Like, I can, if, if I don't support, if I don't agree with something you're doing, I'm going to support you as a person. Be like, hey, if that's what makes you happy, if you like it, I love it. I might not agree with it, so I'm not gonna be like, oh, so let me know when this is going on. Let me right. know, like, and if I know you, you will, you don't believe in faith or whatever. I'm not gonna invite you to church. I can't say, oh, well, you know, I'm praying my way through because I'm going through something right now. I can't talk to you about it because you're gonna be like, oh, well, do this, this, or you like your ways of coping ain't gonna be my ways, and I can't talk to you about my ways. Like, oh, you know, I went to church, I got to work. We can't relate. We not we not the same on that. So that's yeah. what I meant by support. And I think too, like people don't know that they need like until they need the support, they're not gonna know it. That that bothers me too. Like if you don't support me, then you want me to support you all the time. It's not a one way friendship. Mm-hmm. I get that, and I've been cutting ties. You said something. Okay, me and my guy friend talked about this today, and we got into it. How do you deal with it? people who don't believe in the same thing you believe in like i can deal with that on a regular life scale but a friend is really hard for me selective in the conversations that yeah I have with them yeah like i said if you if i know you if I, if I know you're an atheist i'm not gonna tell you about church right i'm not gonna talk to you about my sundays and be like what'd you do today oh nothing chill you know um Different beliefs is just like I say you gotta eat the fish and spit out the bones. You there's other things to talk about, um, and if you can't find something else, you only have the one thing that y'all disagree on. And I, I mean, you see it on social media, people don't know how to agree to disagree. Yeah, they're gonna argue you down, and then it's like whatever you got it. It's almost passive aggressive. Yeah, that's the way I'm gonna say it. So you gotta find something else. Um, if if they if they mean that much to you that you still want them around you still want them in your life, you, there's something else you can talk about. Yeah, I mean like you know we work with all types of different people and I think that having diversity makes us all unique. Mm-hmm. So I I respect people's views. Um, like people believe in crystals and the universe and you know God and Buddha and. Whatever your religion is, like, I feel like that what makes the world go round, like, you know, and whatever works for you works for you. And I, I think that's what's kind of like made me like separate people. I call my friends, my best friend, Talisha. I'm going to just say she always like you call everybody your friend. You call everybody your friend. <laughs> and she's real. T- we territory over each other. Mm-hmm. So I think when she really started saying that, I was like, I really need to categorize this word friend. Mm-hmm. So, I got my tribe, which is my hand. I can count all my tribe members on one hand. Mm-hmm. And then I got, I call my friends. Like, people I talk to quarterly. That's it in the live. Like, you know, we, we had a time in life. I would, when I say quarterly now, we adults. Mm-hmm. But we had time in life, whether it was college, whether it was after college, where we spent time and we really got to know each other and you were there for some of the toughest times in my life, that transitional part. Like, mm-hmm. you're my friend. You know, right now, we might not talk every day, but we talk four times a year. You my girl or my guy. Like, <laughs> you know, you're my friend. Right. And then I have my homies, like people who had a class with in college <laughs> and we talked to each other on like social media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You the homie. I wouldn't, if I was at my last, I'm not going to call you. You know what I'm saying? So I think I really figured out how to categorize that. So my tribe, we all have the same values, insight, and it's really easy to relate. You know what I'm saying? So I think that I consider this person to be there and then that we're not there, that he doesn't have the same faith. 
It's hard. I love him as a person, but like we relate. My tribe, we relate. So, somebody who I see is my creator, my savior. You don't see that person like that. Mm-hmm. We ain't got the same mindset. Mm-hmm. It, that's what I'm doing. And it, it is difficult. It is because if your faith is, for most people, the center, right? A lot of things you do, the way you operate, the decisions you make are based on whatever it is that you believe. Or, yeah, I'm going to say whatever you believe be simple um i'm not gonna do something though like oh i'm like i'm gonna have to pray about this i can't i can't pray for you going through something and i can't tell you i'm gonna pray for you but that's what i'm gonna do and you you don't think that it's gonna work like you're like hey this is the situation in my life i'm gonna pray for you absolutely <laughs> and you're like mm, that ain't that ain't gonna work that ain't gonna do nothing i need this, this i'm still this. gonna pray for you baby right like you you don't need to know I can see why. I mean, I said I'm, that's what I'm dealing with, and it's I got you. It's tough. I can't. I feel very limited in what I can say, and then I'm like, I feel I got to stand up for my God. Okay, <laughs> so, I know, right? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. Okay. Not me. Nope. You're not gonna have. I get offended too. Right. I do. Absolutely. You can only change the subject, but so, so many times. times. I know. <laughs> So this will really like touch me. Um, like calling the moment a friend comes to mind. I've been saving this one, right? Cause I kind of want to like bridge into this part. So I feel like you and I connect a lot over like the grief aspect. We both have like overcame grief and a lot of people don't understand grief until they go through it. So, like, that one really stuck out to me because I know how it feels to see somebody, be with somebody, think about somebody, talk to somebody, and then the next day they're gone. And I just thought that was so important because we always talk about how life is. I just said how I had a requirement, only speaking to people, like, four times a year. And tomorrow is not promised. So, how do you deal with that? Like, overcoming that part of your life. The grief. Um, so there's different levels, which is going to sound, um, it might sound backwards. So I had a brother killed when I was 18, mm-hmm. high school. And for me, that was like the first death. That was like, I never thought I'd know somebody to get killed. Um, young and naive. And I just, I had to keep living. Like mm-hmm. I was sad. But then... It happened again, and then it happened again in 2015. And that one, like, just rocked my world. Um, I didn't want to do anything. And at that point, it wasn't, like, when I was in high school, I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for my own, just to pay. I, work, I wasn't paying bills. I was working just to have money. So if I wanted to sit in the house and cry, I could. Um Nobody really, like, I was I was home with my parents. It wasn't like, you know, I could go and be distracted. Um, but in 2015, when Adrian got killed, when Adrian got killed, that was, that was real. Like, I, I kept working. I didn't take any time off. I, the day of his funeral, I worked from home. Um, and I didn't really know how to process it. Yeah. It was a different, it was just a different level of life that I was dealing with. Um. So I tried to stay distracted. Uh, work, school. Um, and looking back, probably wasn't the best way. Just because I don't think that I fully dealt with those feelings. Um, certain things are triggers for me. Um, so I had to, like I said, just being distracted. I, I can't even, I'm not going to lie and say like, oh, I went, you know, I prayed about it because I was... I had some anger and some confusion because, like, in my mind, he didn't deserve it. You know, he left and went overseas and was in the military and came home and got shot sitting in the car. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that wasn't fair. Like, I don't understand how this could be the story. Um, and then all the things that transpired after that, the way the relationship changed, um, I stayed to myself. And then, rewind a few months ago, Smokey died. That was 
Like, that shattered my world because if you know me, you know my dog was my baby. I have had him, it was almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. So, I had never been alone before that. And I think that's probably why I said, not to say my brother didn't matter more than my dog, but social media is like very, I don't say limited, but you don't see him every day. But my dog, I saw him every day. Every day. Um, I... (coughs) I went from living at home with my family to college with roommates. And then I got Smokey, so I had Smokey and roommates. Then I moved back home, so I had Smokey, family. Right. Um, then I moved out, and I had me, boyfriend, Smokey, and then me, roommate, Smokey. Um, and then it was, I was like, okay, back on my own again. And then when Smokey died, it was just me. I've yeah. always had somebody. somebody. And so that's why I said this this loss kind of like rocked my world because I've never been this alone. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why he's in a box right there. <laughs> he's cremated because I, I couldn't part with him all the way. Like to never be able to see him. Um, I still don't know how to do it because I don't think I'm doing it. Like, I have to keep living. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's a hole. There's a void. Mm-hmm. It can't be filled. Like people, oh, do you want another dog? Maybe it, uh, oh, my favorite. Oh, maybe you should just have a child. First of all, it's not the same. What? <laughs> right. Wait a minute. Wait, well, maybe, maybe that's the sign. You know, you lost your baby. You can have another one. Um, um, and there are some. I'll get personal. So, you. I'm pretty sure I told you. I lost a baby and a dog within a few months of each other. Mm-hmm. So, for me, it was like, I, I can't have nothing. Like, I'm supposed to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um. So I had to, I felt very in control of my life, you know, free will, whatever God allows. Yeah. For the same reason I was in control and I felt like I lost all control. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't do anything to help him. Um, there's nothing I could do for any of the losses that I had. There's no replacing. Absolutely. And you can try, you can, mm-hmm. like people say, oh, the memories will keep you. No, memories don't. I mean, they're okay. But when you're sad or when you miss that person, you just want to, you know, feel that person's hug or hear their voice or do that thing that you always did at Christmas or, you know, whatever your traditions was. There's memories don't really help that much. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, for me. I, I agree. Yeah, like, oh, hold on to that many time. times. Oh my God. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, nah, I hate it all the time. I want, I want that person here. Absolutely. Like, I, them. Like, I want to. It's not the same. Yeah. I mean, and just to touch bases first, my condolences. Like, you know that I'm very sorry for your losses. You know. Um, I think the capacity that. Uh, Somebody plays in your life plays a big part on your grief, mm-hmm. you know, how you mourn. And like you said, not to say that your dog was more important than your brother, but he was just there. And sometimes, like, yeah. they know everything. They, they're so loyal. Right. They just take you on your worst days. <laughs> like, I get it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I lost my granddad, my world turned upside down. So, I mean, to this day, like, we just, it's three and a half years, and, like, I still have moments. So, I just think that's important, like, to know, like, to acknowledge it, like, you, that person still exists. It bothers me when I get around people, and they just try to kind of, like, brush it under the rug, or maybe, like, I know people handle it different, and they, people don't want to talk about it, but I'm not going to act like my granddaddy wasn't here. Like, he was a matriarch of our family. Mm-hmm. We're going to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to stand in that. And I, Christmas, his birthday, whatever it is, like, I feel like my grief is heightened a lot mm-hmm. because I just miss him. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like, I'm learning to walk in that. Like, it's okay to miss him. So I'm finding ways to cope. So when I first came out of it, like, I had to go to therapy. I would go to, I would be driving to work crying. I'll be sitting at my desk crying, <laughs> not doing no work. Um, I think I finished my master's at the time. So that was really good that I didn't have to deal with that. I just was not, I like literally lived in a bubble. I would go to bed and cry. And like when I would be around my family, I always feel like a puzzle piece was missing. 
So I didn't even want to be around them. And then, like, I felt like my family didn't want me to be by myself. They didn't want me to go cry. No, I want to cry. Right. You know what I'm saying? I want to be alone so I can cry, talk out loud. What worked for me was walking and, like, having a conversation with my granddad in the morning. So I walked my dog, Bailey, and I would, like, talk to my granddad. And before he passed, I told him to send me butterflies. And every morning, I would see a butterfly walk past, like, fly. So it is, like, our way of just having a conversation. We were tight. Because I was, like, the only grandchild for, like, eight to nine years. So we was thick as thieves. So, and then, like... I had to stand in it with my family. Like, this is what I'm going through. I know you're going through it too. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to diminish your feelings. But this is where I'm at. And I had to lean on my friends. Talisha, Kiki, Lamisha, those are the three. It's some more people too who will reach out. But it's part of my tribe. I want to say Lamisha took me out at least twice a month <laughs> just to take me out, make sure I was still alive. <laughs> I mean, because she's been my best friend since I was three, so she's seen my grandfather in my life, and she knew the capacity. I mean, they was there. Mm-hmm. You you reached out to me. You know, it was just so many people that like, are you okay? I would be on Snapchat one minute happy. <laughs> oh, my God. Yo. I had so many emotions going that's, through. That's the thing. Like, true grief, it, you don't know when it's going to hit you. Like, like I said, the slightest things remind you or trigger, like, um, rain for me. Like, I, I don't know what it is about the rain. I know, like, I know it's gloomy. Rain always. Like, I miss my dog so much more when it rains. Like, and he was, he when it rained, he was a pain in the ass when he was here. Like, don't want to go outside, don't want to pee. I'd rather <laughs> hold it. I'm not getting wet. We outside standing in the rain trying to, like, it's little stuff. But I'm like, yo, I'll be like, mm, do-do-do, chilling. And it will be like, <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's unexpected, and it, it hits you. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's really important that um, people understand that it's okay to express grief. Uh, one thing that I would encourage people to do is just learn about grief if you are experiencing it and accept it and pace yourself. You know, grief can be exhausting and it takes a lot of energy if you feel it intensely. But if you allow yourself plenty of time, you know, everyday activities and don't overschedule yourself and really work through those feelings, you learn how to cope through your different feelings during grief. You know, have a little fun. I felt a little guilty at first, you know, grieving. I was not allowing myself to have a little fun. But I shared some laughs. You know, it it wasn't dishonoring a memory. You know, laughter really helped me through. I mean, I love to laugh usually on a regular basis. But, you know, I just had some genuine And you know what really worked for me was keeping faith. I believe in God. So going to God in prayer um, in silent time, reading songs really was very comforting to me. Um, whatever you believe in though, will help you get through those feelings of despair. Those times when you feel alone, when nobody is listening, that faith just really kept me grounded. Also, you know, my support system and actually accepting the support because you cannot travel that path alone. And it could be a family member, church, clergy, pastor, you know, just a friend. Uh, the YouTube has plenty of pastors. If you don't have one, you know, just listening to different messages really is beneficial during that time. But finding a physical role model really helped me as well. I had a friend who is in pastoral school and we met at like Chipotle and I basically just put it out out there, you know, because of my faith, she really broke it down to me. The things that I was reading about death and things in the Bible, because the, the Bible is up for perception on a lot of things. So she really helped me understand some things that I was not clear about. So finding somebody to actually talk about it, therapy, you know, that's a stigma in the black community. Nobody got to know you went to therapy. Go sit down and talk to somebody. Help yourself 
become a better you. Before we continue, we need to take a break. Crown Podcast has been sponsored by Crown Jewels. Crown Jewels is a handmade lock jewel company created to fit your personality and style. All sizes are created for all men and women, and no jewels are the same. Let Crown Jewels crown you. You can find Crown Jewels on Instagram at C-R-O-W-N-D underscore J-E-W-E-L-S. Let them know Fancy Patrice sent you. Now back to the show. Can we talk about friendships and grief? Mm-hmm. So, like you said, a lot of people don't realize that they've never experienced grief. They've yeah. Been sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said when Smokey died, the people, the people who I thought like they knew me, they knew I loved my dog. You've seen him. You've seen him on all my social media. You've seen me with him. He's been in my house. You knew Smokey. You knew that was my baby. Um, I don't. I don't really care for sympathy. Like, you could keep the fake symptom. Oh, I'm sorry, my condolences. I understand. No, you don't. It's okay, though. I don't I don't expect you to understand. I really I didn't expect that from too many people. But the people that counted how many events I missed or, oh, she ain't hit nobody up or they, they looked at the side effects of my grief and they held them against me. It's mm. deep. Those were the people who I haven't looked at the same since. Like, mm. I don't, I didn't expect anything from anybody, but with people that called or sent something, or I don't understand what you're going through, but I know that you're hurting. Mm-hmm. And as your sister, as your friend, as your whatever, I'm here for you. That meant the world to me. Like, you know, just because I felt alone. Like, I have spent what, May, June, July. Not even, not even ten months. That six months now, dealing with like adjusting, like my yeah. whole routine shifted my life as I knew it. Everything like, oh, I don't have to come. Like just the things you got, you have a dog. So the the things that are your daily routine, absolutely, all of that change changes. You you judge me by the way that I processed it or the way that I handled it because I didn't come to an event. Okay, I'm I'm alone. Like I'm dealing with this. I'm in a state of transition. It ain't about you. Right. It's easy, but you sat back and you you counted. Oh, she didn't come to this. She didn't yep. come to this. Okay, but did you did you think why didn't I come? Yeah. You think like yo, I I don't want to come because I'm fine one minute and then ten minutes later I might start crying. I'm not trying to rain on nobody's parade. I don't want to kill the vibe or I just I can't pull it together because like I said when it first happened. Mm-hmm. When it first happened, I, it took me like a month to get used to, I don't have to go home and let him out, or um, I don't got to get up early in the morning to let him out, so it's like, when I would try to get ready to get dressed to go out, I'd start crying, because he won't sit in the bed looking at me, Aww. and I have to let him out, it was like, little things that would just trigger a whole bunch of feelings and memories, so it was like, oh, I'm alright, I'm gonna come, but then I slayed, because I just... I had, I had to pull it together, and I couldn't, so I stayed home. Mm-hmm. Um, that separated, I guess what you would call your tribe. My tribe and my friends, when I grieved, that's who I kind of, a lot of people filtered themselves out mm-hmm. of that tribe, and probably the friendship down to the homies. Mm-hmm. A lot of, like, that was like a sorting moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it, I have not, I guess I haven't, for, haven't forgiven it, but Ain't forgetting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, no, since you was not there, and I said I don't. You didn't have to understand. You didn't have to do anything. I know I live in Virginia Beach, and that's so far. You didn't have to come sit with me because I was lonely. But oh, I, I don't know. Like that, that grief and friendship, they they go closer than I realized they did. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, my my ways of coping, I'm still figuring them out. Yeah. Working and trying to stay distracted and busy with different organizations and work mm-hmm. and um, family and friends. Nah. Uh. Grief is unpredictable. I think, you know, once you go through the seven stages of grief, it's important to take back your control. You know, I think. We all need that moment just to experience those. You have to go through those seven stages. Like, you just have to. 
And taking control could mean coping, could mean, could mean therapy. I mean, it could mean those three, four people that you depended on to that time. Whatever it is that works, like, I think that's a big part to not get stuck. And that's where the support comes in. Because when you're in that spiral or you feel like you've lost someone, you know, you you have to remember to keep living and keep going. And that's a really hard thing to do when you're going through grief and you're just missing that person. I had to really push myself. And I, I'm, I'm thankful for that moment. Not that my granddaddy died, but I'm okay. thankful that, yeah, the strength. I really got it. And I'm glad we said that because my last segment is my favorite segment, Righteous and Ratchet. <laughs> I stopped venting and started praying. I don't need sympathy. I need strength. I thought that was really good. I didn't need sympathy. I need strength. Sometimes I like to talk. Shut up, girl, and give it to God. Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, at times I be wanting not sympathy, support. Like, it's going to be okay. Oh, you know, understand I'm mourning. But I, right now I just need some courage to make it. Right. So I just stopped talking about it and started praying more. How do you know when you need to talk it out? Like, do you, do you default to praying first, or do you talk first and go, all right, I just need to go first? Yeah, I, I'll, so, like, <laughs> it's back on friendship. You ever had a friend, you tell all their business, and they don't tell you nothing? Oh, that really irks my nerves. So, <laughs> I was doing that, and I felt like a lot of people couldn't relate. Like, we talk about people can't relate to me. So, you know who can't relate to me? God. So let me tell you how I feel. And everything was not pretty. It wasn't. I started writing it down. I would reread it like, oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. And some of them are my notes, actually, in my phone. I'm like, ugh, that was not nice. And then I started praying. Like, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. The glass is half full. Like, every analogy you could think of, like, it was work. It took a long time. So I think I do a little bit of There's a scripture about, you know, in the Bible, healing is always symbolized by water, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a scripture where water flowed from the temple into the Dead Sea. And right where it hit the Dead Sea, which, you know, it's so soft, you can't nothing live there, whatever, nothing can survive. But the water from the temple that's supposed to represent healing flowed into it and, um, like, branches or whatever, life kind of grew in that spot and I was thinking like how how powerful is the water you know like healing water how powerful is the water in God that it can it can cure the dead sea it can fix it it can cleanse it it can mend it so I was kind of really like you got to show God your saucy places and let him fix them um so that, mm. <laughs> that was a word yeah, I, I'm like look say it again Show God, show God your salty places. Mm-hmm. Right? Let him face it. That could be grief. That could be friendships. That could be relationships. That could be personal stuff. Insecurities. Um, that's mine. I've I been trying to show that like, yo, look. This part, this needs some healing. This thing I've been through, this thing I've been doing, I, I know it's all for you. You got to, um, you stop talking to people. Like you said, that you be mad. They mm-hmm. don't tell you everything. Mm-hmm. Nah, I ain't gonna say it probably because I'm doing enough. Like, I, I can't put myself out there for you to sit back and judge me. Like, no. Yeah, no judgments. Just me. Right. Um, I showed you my salty places. You okay? You need to show me your salty places. Okay. Okay. Somebody is needing that story. You are, you know what I'm saying? That part of your story. People need to hear that part of your story. Because hey, you, you may, you may, I may be struggling with it. I'm exactly. Like, oh, don't sit back and let me tell you how I was sad. So I went and called up this one guy, and I and we that, all did it. Right, but don't sit and be like, mm, girl, I can't believe you did that. First of all, tell me you did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody told me they never had a whole face. I know I'm getting off track. I said, girl, stop lying. <laughs> well, she, she was about to buzz it open, so I 
Okay. You really think people don't have old faces? I I think so too. With stuff like that. And I know you ha- you can't put everything out there, but if we cool or you know I don't think I'm embarrassed. Like even though twenty eighteen sex is everywhere, sex is still a taboo subject for some people. Oh yeah, I'm very you know reserved with that. Yes. Yeah. Even on Snapchat. I don't be up there no more. People would judge me and they'd be ready for all my business. Ain't nobody saying that. Tell your business. Mm-hmm. And that's the people who, the more you tell me, the more I say, that's, how, that's probably why we're friends. So, like, look, girl, let me tell you what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I- so, yeah. Well, what was the end of that? Righteous and ratchet. Ooh, guys, I know that was a lot to take in, but thank you so much for listening. You know, that was a good chit-chat with my sister friend, Mandy. I hope you all had some takeaways on how to end some toxic friendships, relationships, how to deal with grief, how to support your friend through grief. We talked about a lot of topics, but I just want to thank you for taking your time to listen to Crowned. I am on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. I am hoping to be approved for a couple other social platforms, so please be on the lookout on Instagram. The Instagram is Crowned Podcast, so that is with a zero. It's C-R- zero w-n-e-d podcast if you want to send in a listening letter or just want to shoot me an email i would love to hear from you all with different topics the email is c-r-0-w-n-e-d zero podcast at gmail.com send your love questions comments concerns really dm me with a segment name for that I i need some suggestions i don't know um also like subscribe share rate review i would appreciate it and i'll see you on the next episode of crowned